the Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia! Welcome to another edition of the Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Carey, and alongside me is Michael Amami and Logan France. It is Friday, February 28th, 2020. One day closer, well, not really two days closer to March, but what has been going on the last week is spring training, which means spring is almost here. Along that, conference championships and basketball starting in a matter of days, especially next week, I believe the 7th at the start of championship week. All those great columns are going to be released by our station when that all happens, so stay tuned. I have uh, the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference, as well as my all-time favorite conference, the Sun Belt Fun Belt, I will be previewing, so keep tuned on that. But baseball is back, and honestly, there is no greater feeling. We are basically done with February. We're and, done. Which means the long, let's see, November, December, four months without <laughs> baseball are over. And it's great. We're here. This would be it's the great. It's great. last day of February any other year. But yeah, have, because uh, because the earth is weird, we have a leap day. We do. So it's a holiday, a national holiday. I don't know if I consider it a national holiday. <laughs> I, All it does I really just, don't know. It, it kind of just screws up the rest of the week. Here's something that's going to scare you. Yeah, the rest of the calendar. Because my birthday was going to be on a... Uh, it was supposed to be on a, on a Sunday, but now it's on a Monday. So, uh, that well, here's stinks. something that's going to scare you guys. 2016 was four years ago, for the record. Okay. Yeah. That, that's 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 just kind of becoming that a realization. Just feels at this point, like, that just feels like a long time. Like I don't understand. Like I, I don't know. Maybe it's a me thing. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it it was. If anything, I remember when I turned uh, 16 years old. My dad brought me aside and said, "You know, you're closer to turning 30." Than when you were being born. Oh, yeah. And that, that was like the moment where it all dawned on me that life is never ending pain. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to head out to the East Coast this week for our our uh, division to talk about in the Major League Baseball. So, really, the East is kind of is, is, is a very interesting division going to be this year. It's, it's going to be interesting because we have teams like the uh, defending champions, Nationals, still hanging around. You have the Braves, the Mets. Phillies and well, the Marlins. Yeah, <laughs> who are going to be sitting alone in last place? What else is new? I mean, I think the team to talk about in this division. This is going to seem kind of silly, but it really is the Nationals and how they kind of respond to losing Rendon. I mean, I feel like Washington came in last year and surprised everybody, but now it's like, okay, they've won the championship. So it's like, okay, what do we do now? And they've got some holes to fill out there, but I still feel like they have the best starting rotation. That's a credit to them re-signing Steven Strasburg. So Strasburg, Scherzer, and Corbin, I think, will be three great guys. That's the, in, in my opinion, that's the best rotation in baseball. I think it's like one of the best, best three. The top three. Best top three I think guys Houston, in baseball. I think Houston's got the, the odds Not on anymore, that. Not anymore, no, because Garrett Cole's gone. Well, yeah. But so they won't have the top three. I mean, still got Verlander, though. Yeah, Verlander, Verlander and Granke. That's not three. Who's the third guy? Exactly. There you go. <laughs> you just proved my point. But, yeah, with the Nationals... I think you know, Corbin ranks as high as some other guys, though. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's, he's, a, he's, he's, pretty he's good. a good number three. That's, that's what he is. But with the Nationals, I mean... Rendon's gone. I don't personally. I mean, you lose the one of the best third basemen in baseball. Perhaps maybe the best third baseman in baseball. I mean, I don't. Who's? I mean, they signed Eric Thames, God, as they called him in Korea when he played baseball there, and they signed uh, one of the one of my favorite former Cubs, Starlin Castro, in the free in free agency. So, really, I don't know if they. I mean, Robles is still there, and Soto's still there, but I mean, I mean Rendon's gonna hurt. Folks, it's gonna look hurt. at this, okay? In the projected lineup, they've moved as uh, Dribble Cabrera to third base. They put Starlin Castor at second. Dozier's gone. Um, yeah, and, he's bad. Yeah, well, he could hit, but he was a bad defenseman. He had his worst year statistically he last not. year. He batted like 220. But yeah. That's not hitting. It's bad. Well, yeah, it's awful, but he... He hit home runs. He, he's a good. He was a decent power hitter at one point last year. I believe it was like in mid July. He was hitting the ball really well. But here, here's here's what their projected starting lineup looks like. Okay, so instead they're going to lead lead off with Adam Eaton, Eric Thames, Trey Turner's going to be hitting third, Juan Soto fourth, Castro fifth, Cabrera sixth, Kurt Suzuki seventh, and Robles eighth. Of course, and then the starters will come in. They've got Joe Ross in the rotation as well. I feel like he's earned that starting job after a solid performance last year, specifically against San Francisco. He did really well and kind of. 
came into his own uh, in mean, that starting again, rotation. Went six innings. San Francisco. He went six innings. They're bad. He went six innings. A lot of people thought that he was just a guy they were going to throw in the bullpen, but he wasn't. He actually showed that he could be a solid starter and injury replacement. So he's earned the starting job. Do I think this team is going to win the World Series? No. no. <laughs> I'm looking at two names, Starling Castro and Azdrubal Cabrera right now, that are going to be having a heavy hand on this team. Eric Thames is in there as well. I don't feel like those names are going to really bring the same kind of power that I'd say Rendon did. I feel like this is a completely I mean, that, that's different quite lineup. because Rendon... Was, Rendon did everything. He's he's one of the best third basements. I mean, if you're going to lose him and you're going to say, well, Starlin Castro, I mean, as much as I love the guy as his time as a Cub through the dark years, he's not going to be that, that guy. If Nolan Arenado didn't exist, he would be the third baseman. And I feel like Nolan Arenado took that position away from Rendon, specifically with the all-star uh, votes. Arenado is the best third baseman in baseball, undisputed. Well, I mean, Rendon, I, I'd see as more like a dark horse, but I felt like he could... I think he was a gold glove third baseman. I think he was a great hitter. Saw the ball very, very well. And as Bob Carpenter put it, if Sir Anthony doesn't swing, it's a ball. So that's just a tribute to his look at the plate. I mean, I think that that's kind of who he is. I feel like the Angels are really, really, really undervaluing um, this guy. I feel like he's... Uh, I wouldn't say they're undervaluing. They paid him a fortune to play for him. That's how how high was that fortune? Very high. I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I believe it's north of 200 million. I'm going to look it up right now, so I'm not wrong. 200 something. I I just think that that's you know, I I I could see him. I could see if they had offered him yeah, the seven best. seven year, 245 million dollars. Okay, that's, that's not undervalued. That, that's handsomely paid, but still, makes 35 million. A year. I've always saw him as like an underdog to Arenado. I really did. I just think that that's something that you know, especially with the way he played last year. I I feel like you can't really. It's it's a hard comparison. Anything to say on added that Logan? Just kind of staring around at us. Yeah, I <laughs> I was trying to find a place to interject. I just kind of wanted to note as well that this was a team that kind of got hot down the stretch last year. I mean, yeah, I, I remember I remember that day on the show last year, and Michael will always bring it up. It was actually I don't think it was on the show. It was <laughs> on Twitter where I said the Nationals are done. This team is a dumpster fire. They need to trade everyone. And then Michael, every time, every, every, like, it's, it seemed like every week after the World Series, just like, hey, Patrick, remember the time that, uh, <laughs> that, that you said the Nationals were done? It's like, yeah, I know. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I just felt like they had too much talent to fail. And we said that with the Blues and look what happened to them. It's just, there's, there's, two, they had the right, you the said that, not us. Well, okay, whatever. <laughs> My point is, this is and this I, is, this I, I don't the call think out Michael show. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people have to reassess the way they look at something here because if you look at it, if the talent pieces are there and they play hard and they're doing the right things and they're just not m- measuring up to that talent level, and they need to make an adjustment, what did they do? They fired their pitching coach, and they got a new pitching coach. Mm-hmm. They made, so yeah. I, I again, you, you make changes. They you make cha- they made changes to the coaching staff. At Guess what time, happened at the time? What happened? Martinez changed a few things about how he managed. They picked up some more guys. They started going on a win streak. They were nineteen and thirty-one, and they look, ended up being look, the I'm, best I'm team in baseball, this. hottest team in baseball since uh, if, mid-May. If I'd say a majority of people counted that team out, I wasn't the only one. I'd say well, no. I, it's other not than, other than the national did. fans. It's not an unpopular makes opinion. Me think you might be one, even though you say you're a Cardinals fan. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like them. I, I do. I, I, they're a likable the team. team to more, me. so I, hey, hey, I'm just going to throw that speculation out there. But I'd say a majority of people said that that team was done. Well, okay. So Grant Paulson, a great uh, journalist that I follow on on Twitter. He, he talked about this um, when he was, and he covers the Redskins too, but he talked about this in, in a statement he made after a game. He said, the one thing that I think that this team does well over anything else, and I think that's an, it's an unfair argument to say that they don't play hard. And I feel like teams that play hard with the talent that they've got, wins will eventually come. It's just a matter of time. And upon firing that pitching coach, which the bullpen was a complete dumpster fire, we're not going to argue that, things looked brighter they started getting guys guys things started clicking on all cylinders Scherzer started you know I mean wins are not a, a pitching stat but guys started hitting more getting Scherzer wins and Scherzer pitched is 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 threw his arm off at the end of the season so things just started working out and I felt like they were due to be clicking on all cylinders at some point yeah the point I won that I wanted to make initially is that it was a team that got hot down the stretch last year I don't think you can necessarily bank on that happening again I would. Yeah, this is like Not one of those. This is yeah, like exactly. One of those. 
one in like 10 years. It was situations. an off-season change that, you know, helped spark a resurgence. You look at the Blues last year, firing their head, um, firing Mike Yo and hiring um, Craig Berube. I couldn't think of his name for a second. It's just kind of one of those changes that kind of gives the team a spark and lights a fire under them. So, I mean, will they probably go back to where you'd expect them to be? Yes. The question is where you expect them to be. Well, Roto See, I, Champ has him at 88 wins. I, I admit, Second place I have, to the Mets. I have a wild... Yeah, that's just garbage. I'm not believing that. I'm not believing the Mets hype. Anyways. The Mets... Wait, winning I, at 72 I, I, I have the uh, Nationals... To the, net, to the Mets? Or to the Mets. Place? The yeah, Mets are winning the division yeah, according to this. <laughs> 90 wins, 72 <laughs> losses. That's comedy right there. Anyways, I have the Nationals fighting for a wild card spot. That just seems logical. I mean, I have the, I have the Braves winning the East. Braves are in third according to this. 85 yeah, wins. Yeah, I mean, that was what was weird to me. I thought they would. I don't. I don't first. understand that at all. But going off of that, we're gonna go actually talk about the team that's being hyped up insane amount, and that's the Mets. Look, Beltran's fired. They don't have their manager is was promoted from in the system. I don't know this this team. Every year it seems like oh watch out for the Mets they're gonna win the East again and go to the World Series and then every year they don't do it every year ever since they made the uh, World Series in 2015 where they lost to the Royals they're like well they have they have Degrom and Syndergaard I mean what are they gonna do they're gonna they're gonna make it there Syndergaard whatever I can't <laughs> speak but there was so many guys I see on MLB Network on I mean yeah Twitter <laughs> the place of experts all saying that this team. They better make it this year. They have all the stuff, and they just don't ever do it. They are like the ultimate underperformers. I'm, se- I'm sensing some hostility over there. Yeah, oh, was- there's definitely some hostility about my. I, I'm I'm not a fan of New York. I'm not a fan of the Mets. But really, this team, they're not winning the East. Yeah, I'm trying. Not. To, I was trying to um, think of a other sport parallel, and the two teams that came to mind were NFL teams, the Packers, except the Packers make the playoffs, and the Cowboys. Yeah. So I don't know which one you agree well, with more. Let's but. look at okay. Let's look at their rotation for a second. I mean, you know, and Jacob, I know Jacob Degrom, Noah Syndergaard, Marcus, Marcus Stroman, top three. Pretty that's decent. A, that's a good pretty rotation. Good, pretty good. Okay, leading Steven off. Mats and Rick Porcello rounding out the rest. Okay, n- hold on a second. Let's look at their lineup here. Brandon Nimmo leading off. Jeff McNeil, batting second. Alonzo third. Robinson Cano fourth. J.D. Davis fifth. Conforto six, Wilson Ramos seventh, and Ahmed Rosario. That's not an awful lineup at all. It's not awful, but when you, when you compare it to, in my in my opinion, the the Braves, who no, I yeah. think have the, like one of the best lineups in baseball. I just don't I think mean, it's. I again, I don't think that I don't see this out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I remember last year. Last year they had a majority of these guys minus minus Marcus Stroman. Well, so everyone thought the, the Braves deadline. would be in the World Series last year, and look what happened in Game Five. Well, that's they at least made the playoffs. They at least made the playoffs. The Mets didn't. The Mets were just sitting at mediocrity, and they're like, every again, every year, every year since the past five seasons now, they're projected to win the East, either go to the World Series, make it to the National League Championship Series. It just they just don't do it. I mean, I think injuries are a huge problem with this team, first and foremost. I mean, I, I remember. That's I, I feel something like it's that's an been... every year occurrence. That Syndergaard's hurt. Well, at least for a week. I think he's a good pitcher. I just feel like they just got to get their injuries worked out. If they if they keep guys healthy, they'll I mean, be fine. I mean, look at look at Cestis. they have the talent on this team to win the division. They do. They have the talent on this team. The question is, is can that talent stay healthy? And the answer to that question is no. For now, it's no. We for don't now. know that for, me, for certain. For but me, if I'm I looking at this with a, a straight face and I'm looking at who they have right in front of me right now. They have they have the pieces. I they mean, certainly have the pieces. There's two kind of they're kind of cliches in sports, but I think they kind of ring true in most cases. And the first one is the best ability is availability. So I mean, we've seen well, these guys wrong. that yeah, we've seen these guys that you know they're constantly getting hurt. You know, when are you to believe that they're gonna stop? And this, uh, something that goes along with that is that. So this is someone on NFL media who said this, but it rings true for all sports. I think you're injury prone until you're not. So you can say, you know, I don't think these guys are going to get hurt. And if they stay healthy, they have the talent to win the division. But the big qualifier there is if they stay healthy, which hasn't happened yet. It is a big fat if for this team. And I mean, personally, with the way the division set up with the Nationals, the Phillies can be a decent team in this division. The Braves, East favorites, in my opinion. I mean, if this is going to be another one of those situations like the NL Central, where if you don't win the division, you're really fighting hard for that wild card spot. Really hard. I mean, I think that's every division in a way, but I, I look at this and I say, yeah, 
because I feel like there will be a second team that out of this division specifically that goes to the playoffs. That's I feel like that's a guarantee pretty much because the, there's just too much talent in here to say that, okay, none of these teams are going to get in except for one. So looking at it that way, I'm like, yeah, of course. It's either going to be Washington, Atlanta. I'd throw New York and Philadelphia in there. The only team that I would say it's safe that they probably aren't going to make <laughs> it is Miami. But everybody else, no, everybody <laughs> oh, else in Marlins. here, everybody else in here has a legitimate shot. You'll be good again someday. <laughs> Philadelphia, you know, they've they've got the pieces too. I mean, it's not like they're they're, you know, I mean, last year was a, a huge disappointment. It really was. Last year was a huge dif- disappointment. But the managerial change, I feel like, will do wonders for this team. Yeah, it'll, it'll certainly help a lot. I mean, the Phillies are another one of those teams. I mean, I, I, I am a, if I had to pick another National League team to root for, either between the Phillies or the Braves, long story. But How do you my, not like Girardi? One of my all-time favorite baseball players, Chase Utley, played for the Phillies. He's actually my favorite baseball player. I watched the first World Series I ever watched in my life was the 08 uh, Phillies race series. So I've always had a special soft spot for the Phillies. But this team, I mean, Bryce Harper, Andrew McCutcheon, DD Gregorius, Reese Hoskins, GT Real Muto, it's another good lineup. Yeah, and also a fun fact to point out Gregorius, DD Gregorius, the shortstop, will be reunited with his former manager from the Yankees, Joe Girardi. So yeah, Joe, Joe Girardi, I wish this? the Cubs got as their manager, but they went with David Ross. Anyways, but I mean, again, this. It's, it's the, the rotation. I like, I like Aaron Nola. Zach Wheeler, he's decent. And you have, like, a wild card in Jake Arrieta. I mean, it's hard for him to go back to the way he was on the Cubs. I mean, you saw ounces of it last year, but he's been getting hurt the last couple seasons. He's I been mean, getting hurt, and it's just not – it's a question mark for that, for that team. The pitching staff to me is a big yeah. – is a big if. I mean, I look at this. I'm a little bit skeptical here. I like Aaron Ola a lot. Zach Wheeler, I find interesting. Arietta, as you said, Arietta I think he's a wild can card. Be good. He can be. He can be very good. Can he return to the Cubs version of Arietta? I don't know. Then you have Vincent Velasquez and Zach Eflin. So, and those are the two like bottom guys because both those guys are. I mean, I know wins aren't really a metric of measuring a pitcher, but they don't have a positive in the win column, and their ERAs are also well above four four zero. Yeah, they're they're the four and fifth respectively. So, yeah, but you know what? That's interesting to me because again, strongest pitching staff in this division, I'd say, belongs to Washington. Atlanta, you could make an argument for. So I'm surprised we haven't, but, we haven't we haven't glanced upon upon them yet. We haven't talked about them yet. So, but, so with the Phillies again. They need to be healthy. That's just, I mean, that's like a, a thing you can say about every team. But really, the Mets and Phillies are two teams that, if they're healthy, they can they can contend for that, that wild card spot. Or, I mean, you could say maybe the uh, title. I don't see it. I feel but, like firing Gabe Kepler last year was a smart decision. Yeah, Kepler was a terrible manager. And I feel like he'll be also terrible in San Francisco. I feel like Girardi will get the pieces right and he'll be able to mix and match guys. And this is, I think, is going to be a team that can really move around in their lineup well. I feel, I feel like if, the, if this team is managed the correct way, they'll be successful. Yeah, they, They've got they, the guys. They, they will... They will contend. I mean, I have them. I have them fighting for the wild card, and they, they probably will end up a game short. In my opinion, that's what I see. They'll be better than five hundred, though. Yeah, they'll There's be better no than five hundred. So that leaves us with. We're not going to talk about the Marlins because really they're just rebuilding, and they're going to be. They've rebuilding been rebuilding for, the next for ten like, years. Total years. rebuild. Fifteen like years. Miami sports. Yeah. <laughs> Minus the heat, of course. But yeah. we're going to go talk about the Braves now. And the only thing I have really against that's bad for the Braves is the loss of Josh Donaldson. He was a big part of their offense. He went to the Twins in the uh, offseason. So that's kind of like a big hurt. They hurt him there a little bit, but they picked up Travis Darnold, Enter and Ciarte still there, uh, Dansby Swanson, Ozzy Albies, Ronald Cunha Jr. It looks good. It well, they're looks replacing really good. Donaldson with Johan Camargo. I have never heard of him. And that's something that I'm a bit skeptical about because I need to research again, him a little bit. But we don't I mean he's he, he looks to be he has a, he's a decent decent average, okay, 273. That's, His OBP is a 331. But again, you know, this is not the same slugger that they've got. They moved him of course at the bottom of the lineup because he's not yeah, you know, Don, he's Donaldson, not like Donald. No Donaldson one's like no a, one's like was Donaldson. A big, was a big part of that lineup yeah. last year. So that's like the only question mark I have on this team. Other than they lost Julio Tehran, but he hasn't been playing to the caliber that we're used to seeing him yeah. four, four, three, three, four years ago. But Mike Soroka is still there. Max uh, Freed, Sean Newcomb. Fulton, El- Fulton Newich is still there. I feel like I said his name right. Cole Hamels. 
I forgot about Cole Hamels. He's back. And not really back, but he, they signed him at uh, in free agency as well. So, I mean, this team has, for me, other than other than the loss of Josh Donaldson, this team is going to be the East Division champion. You can write that. You can quote me on it. I'm probably going to take the fat out on this one probably six months, actually more than that from now, when we're all back, when playoff season starts. So Yeah, there's an inherent danger in saying before the season starts in any sport, who's going to win any given division. But, I mean, props to you for having the guts to do it. Oh, well, they've got the decent power. I mean, they've got Freddie Freeman hitting third, Nozuna hitting cleanup. So that's something that I think they'll be really, really glad to have out there. And also Marcakis hitting fifth. I feel like that's a prime position for Marcakis because if those other guys get walked, I feel like Marcakis is the type of guy that is going to get on base. He's not going to necessarily get hit the ball out of the ballpark, but I, I just remember he, he, he is watching good, him last year. He and is I was a good like, contact hitter. That's oh my is. goodness, he is he'll, great. He'll I could see him hitting second. I could see him hitting fifth. I could see him hitting seventh. I mean, there's a, there's a variety. He's a utility of, guy. He's a utility guy. Where, where he will be in the lineup. Yeah, and I think he's also a decent outfielder. Um, and I feel like Dansby he's, Swanson... He's got a very strong arm. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... that's. I mean, he's shown that time and time again. But the main guy on here, I feel like, is Ronald Acuna as well, hitting leadoff. I mean, he is he is the speed, the power, the average, and the on-base percentage. I mean, this is the guy that's going to be the face of this team. And I feel like Freeman, you know, he can he can be the cleanup hitter or be the guy out there. Ozuna can be the cleanup hitter. But when I'm thinking of power right now, I'm thinking of Ronald Acuna. I'm thinking Acuna, Ozuna, and Freeman. Because you don't get a break on this team at all. You don't get a break on this team. You don't. I mean, that's why this lineup, for me, personally, is one of the scariest lineups in baseball. You, like you said, you don't get a break. You don't get a break. Every guy that you face, this, there's always something. It's going to be hard to beat this team. Minus, I mean, the pitching is the only thing that that's kind of sitting in the back of my head. You have Soroka, Fultznowitz, Freed. They're decent. All pretty good receivers. Receivers. <laughs> we're, not, we're not to the football segment yet, but all good uh, starters. So Well, they're all young. Yeah, they're all young. They've got time. they got playoff experience now. They're going to be a fun team to watch this year. So before we all had to hot off to break, I want to ask you guys to do a, a uh, final division ranking for each team. I'm going to go first. I have the Braves in first, winning about 92, 93 games. Nationals in second with 80, 88, making the wild card. The Mets at 85, the Phillies at 85, and the Marlins at 63. So major, major drop off. I have something similar here. I'm going to say I definitely think the Braves win this division. Um, I feel like it's going to be close between the Mets and Nationals. I feel like the Nationals will definitely take that second-place spot. Mets won't be too far behind. I don't have win numbers for you, but I think the Phillies will be in fourth. I don't think it'll be by that much. Um, I think Girardi's a good manager, um, So and they've got a decent team, so I feel like they're going to be in the running for that as well. And, of course, Miami, I'm sorry, but you're, you're in last place. We're all... Sort of an agreement here, which all that tells me is that we're all going, we're to, be all going to be wrong, and something <laughs> is going to shake up this division. But I'm pr- I'm pretty Marlins much the same the division. As you guys. I've got yeah, the, let's not get carried away here, Michael. I got the Braves winning the division with the Nationals not too far behind, taking the wild card spot, and then Mets and Phillies, and then of course and the rest Marlins, of the, the, the lowly Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara, Sad my goodness. Hey, if I'm going to be Caleb paid, Smith, if, if I'm going to be paid a place to be on a bad team, I'd much rather play for Miami. Jonathan it's VR. It's nice. You're only playing in front of 5,000 people every day. so. And you're making millions, making of, dollars millions of dollars to do it. All right, we're going to have to break. When we come back this week in hockey. Let's not corner on KCU 80.1 FM and KCU.FM. Okay. Hey, this is KCU 88.1 FM. Are you trying to release the, the hottest, hottest projects of this year, possibly next? Come down to our studio in the Student Center, and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. 
or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. You made me cry. As a part of Mizzou Student Media, KCU allows students to explore broadcast radio from the moment they step foot on campus. Students get the opportunity to cover Mizzou sports, news, and the local music scene and gain valuable producing skills. KCU also has ties to the Columbia community by sponsoring shows at local venues and hosting events like record sales, hip-hop showcases, and music festivals. Even more so, the station is a place where many members have found their home and made lifelong friends. If you are a Curtin student at the University of Missouri, please consider voting yes to support student media in the MSA bill. Voting is open from March 2nd to the 4th and will be sent to your student email. Remember to vote yes. So, the deadline is past us in the National Hockey League, or known as the NHL. <laughs> and it's been quite a wild week, honestly. So, I'm going to throw it over to our hockey expert here in the studio, Logan Franz. All right, I've got a lot for you, and I'll pause at various points to open up for you guys. But the first thing I want to start off with is over in New York, the crown gem, so to speak, of this trade deadline was Chris Kreider, the Rangers forward. There was rumors floating around for weeks that the Blues, among other teams, were were interested in him. But the Rangers ultimately ended up sticking to their guns, and they did not move him, signed him to a seven-year deal worth about $45 million. So there's, And they also had to dump some of that cap off, so they received Hurricane's first-round pick in exchange for Brady Shea, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. So they got a great return for a pretty average defenseman by most metrics, and you know it took the $5.25 million AAV off the books. I think that's great value for the Rangers. They need more, but I think you can see the beginning of a rebuild coming in New York with Artemi Panarin, now Chris Kreider's locked down, they need to. They have some goaltending worries with Lundqvist probably on the edge of retirement, but I think there's there's hope if you're a Rangers fan. Yeah, I, I like uh, Kreider a lot. He's 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 got 45 points, 24 goals, 21 assists in the season so far. He's only 28, which in hockey is fairly young, in my opinion. I think it's pretty young. Yeah, for a forward, you can if you're one of the you best, can play you can to play, like you can play to your mid 30s. Yeah, <laughs> look at um Yaramir Yager. He's a prime example of that. He's in the he's in a KHL, isn't he? He's he's retired now, but he really yeah That's he's sad. he played for, he, he played until he was playing. like forty three or something. Although he's he's more of an outlier in that respect, but it's beside the point. Yeah, he's he's got a, he's got a thirteen plus minus. I, I like him. I, I'm it's it's he got a nice payday, seven year contract, getting paid six point five mm-hmm. million annually. If only I could paid that much, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So, they, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Did they, you say Yaramir Yager was retired? He's not I, retired. He's, he's playing. He is he's not. He's playing in the Czech Republic ha. for the. He's retired H- from the NHL. So See, yeah. Claude. No, if I'm pronouncing that. He's gonna that come correct. back. Don't watch. Yeah, he's playing in Europe. He's coming back for his fifty. Uh, for his 50 he's forty-eight year old right now, and he's still playing right wing. Well, what's his stats, by the way? I'm a little his stats. Yeah, I have stats. no idea. Let me look those up real quick. This is this is entertaining. We'll, we'll get back to you on that. Yeah. So anything? Um, keep going, Logan. So staying in New York, I want to talk about the Islanders who acquired John Gabriel Pajot from the Sens in exchange for a conditional first, a second in 2020, and a conditional third in 2022. So they're going all in on this championship push. They're currently sitting in the first wildcard spot as of Wednesday when I wrote this. I don't believe that's changed, but I can go ahead and look let, that let up Let me pull for it off you. for you. I have it, I have it bookmarked. So with that, the Islanders are in the seventh spot in the uh, Eastern Conference playoff race right now. So that's one thing that has not changed. Any, any comments on the Islanders before I move forward? They're... Eh, that team's kind of just a little bit of a, I mean, the hockey's hockey, but this team, I, I think they have potential to do something in the playoffs. They're a team that's built on goaltending yeah. and defense, which is honestly, in my opinion, the best way to build a NHL team. You want to start with the defense and then work your way into getting those goal scorers because goal scorers can get hot, but they can also get cold at any given time. It's a lot like batting in baseball. Yeah, once you get hot, you're going to stay hot for a while. And then if you're cold, you're going to be cold. It's not going to be good. Exactly. you got to get that confidence back. you got to find a way to get a puck in the net, even if it's just some, you know, lucky um, deflection. You've got to be able to – you've got to get some sort of spark once you get cold. So I think defense and goalie play is more consistent than that in most cases. So I think building that way is the right way to go. And I think 
the Islanders have a chance this year. I really do. It'll be, it'll be fun to see them in the playoffs. I'm always a, a fan of seeing newer-ish teams in the playoffs every year. The Islanders didn't make the playoffs. Did they make the playoffs last year? Um, I believe they did. I believe they lost in the first round. Yeah, I think they got swept. By the Penguins, <laughs> I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But it's always fun to see teams like them like make it back. Always getting like an, a second chance in the playoffs. So it'll be fun to watch. I think they'll go... I mean, goalies are what's going to make you win series in the playoffs. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw that with the Blues. They rode Bennington. Jordan Bennington, yep. If, if the uh, Islanders are able to do that, and with a similar case in when their goalies, I think they'll they'll be a threat. It'll yeah, they obviously Robin Leonard left and went to the Blackhawks this offseason, but they and still he's have, gone. The, yeah, I'll get to that in a little bit in a second. But they still have Thomas Grice there, and he's been playing. He's been playing very well this season, so I think the Islanders have a nice core together, and you know they acquired Pajot to help with that, to help with that a little bit, and they're seems like they're going all in on a championship run. So we'll see how that shakes out for them. Heading down the Atlantic coast, we're going to take a stop in Carolina, where the Hurricanes are currently two points out of a wild card spot. As I wrote this again, that could change, but they also seem to be going all in on a championship run. They acquired Sammy Vatanen from the Devils for a conditional fourth-round pick in 2020 and prospects Yuwani Kwakinen, which is a difficult name to pronounce. I think <laughs> I have that right. And Frederick Clayson. They also acquired Brady Shea from the Rangers for their 2020 first-round pick. So Brett Pesci being out indefinitely, that really helps Carolina get some, some of that depth back. And they also acquired center Vincent Trocek from the Panthers for Eric Hollow, Lucas Walmark, and two other prospects. So... They've built that forward group, which they didn't really need to do. But I mean, you know, Vincent Trocek is a fine center, and he's gonna, he's going to help you, Michael. You have your finger up. Okay, I just want to jump in for a quick second because I found this th- interesting thing on uh, Yaromir Yager here. Um, <laughs> side note. Okay, yeah. On a side note, because I I, I was curious about this, and of course, uh, you know, I, Logan, I've been hearing you talking all that. But when we brought this up earlier, um, I, I just wanted to to make sure because I wasn't sure if he was actually still playing but i don't know the how to pronounce the team name i believe it's the right tree cladno he's the team president and owner and he's currently playing in home games for the team in addition to owning and being an administrator for the team does he have do you have the stats i have the stats here according to hockey database he has 15 goals 13 assists and 28 points thus far on the year how many 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 games He's played in 35 games. So not bad. That's pretty that's, good. That's pretty good for a man his age. Not bad for a 48-year-old guy. I can He's going to come right back. Now. Watch. He'd be age, the oldest guy to ever play in a hockey game. Age 50, Yaramir Yager strutting back in for the Panthers. A I think true, he was a true good, It's going to be a good buy. It's going to be a good buy, uh, like trip around the NHL. Yeah, farewell Celebrating tour. his entire life in the hockey league. So that'll, that'll He'll be, be playing hockey until the day he dies. <laughs> Jeez, I can't imagine like an 85-year-old Yarmir Yager coming out. <laughs> here he comes playing his 50th season in the NFL. Yarmir Yager. And here he comes coming out. <laughs> oh, man. You got to lose that speed at some point. I think that's going to be a... Um, but will he? He's, I mean, I think maybe he already did. And he He's just only playing as a Terminator. He will go on forever. <laughs> he just kind of sits by the blue line and waits. He's the guy who always is carrying it into the offensive zone so he can score. He's just like, you know, that kid in... Um, in class that would in gym class that would always like wait right by the edge. Yeah. And then when it was ready, he just you know the cross court pass and basketball to him. Yeah. It's always how it works. Anyways, back to the Hurricanes. They haven't done much about their goaltending situation yet. And hey, I'm looking at their depth chart. They have four goalies. Yeah. So they recalled two from the AHL, and they're not putting either of their starters, Peter Mrazek nor James Reimer, on long-time injured reserve because they are also out indefinitely. But according to Kane's coach, Ron Brondamore, Brondamore, I'm sorry, they're going to be out weeks at the most. So they made no trade at the deadline, but recalled goaltenders Anton Forsberg and Alex Nedeljkovic from the AHL. So they'll probably be in some sort of turnstile there until at least one of Reimer and Mrazic comes back. And then they should be back for the playoffs is what it sounds like by Coach Brande Moore's comments, but we'll see how it goes. Any comments on the Hurricanes? I really like this team. I was on board the uh, Hurricane hype train last last season. One of my favorite players in the NHL, Andre Sveshkinov. You already know how I feel about him. He's a lot of fun to watch. He'll be fun. And he saw, they saw Tuvo Teravainen, former Blackhawk. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> 
But I mean, they still have Mr. Game Seven, Justin Williams. I mean, this team, this team's going to make the playoffs mm-hmm. at least. I so, think they will as well. And what they do in the once they make the playoffs, he's got to hope their goaltenders get healthy. You said it'll only be about a, a week or so, weeks, couple weeks, couple yeah. weeks, weeks at the before most. They get ba- before they get back. So you got to hope the team is able to do enough to get past the use of backups in their with their goalie situation. So, I mean, make the playoffs. That's yeah. it. That's and all I you need wanna, to do in the NHL. I don't want to gloss over the um, Dave. David Arias, is that how you pronounce his name? Stay tuned. That man is going to have interesting implications <laughs> on the final word. Yeah, so um, that little tease there, stay tuned for that. But yeah, he that was a great story from this week. The NHL is looking to change their emergency goalie setup, which, I mean, needs to be done. It's not very good. But I do like that, you know, the way it is currently allowed a 42-year-old Zamboni driver. It's nice. To that, that's honestly one of the, my favorite stories of the year so far. And have a... Um, an accountant a, did that for the Blackhawks, too. Yeah, this is not year, the first time is, that we've seen something like this. This is this year's Scott Foster, as I always call him. But Scott Foster... You know, he had a shutout. David Arias didn't. But regardless, I I don't discriminate. I really liked that story. So want to move on. We haven't talked about the West Coast. We've talked a lot about the East Coast. So I want to move on to the West Coast. And one of the most interesting teams to me at the deadline was the Vegas Golden Knights. They acquired Alec Martinez from the Kings for second round picks in 2020 and 21. And they also acquired goaltender Robin Lehner from our very own Chicago Blackhawks for a second-round pick in 2020, prospect Slava Demin, and goaltender Malcolm Subban. So they're currently first in the Pacific, and they've been going on a tear right now. We'll talk about them a little bit more in just a second, a little tease for our awards here. But they're gearing up for a championship run, and, I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much, but I do think right now the way they are playing, they can beat anyone. And this is kind of how the playoffs work in hockey. You get hot at the right time, and it could have it could have interesting I mean, just look at look at that one-two goalie punch. Yeah, Fury, and Mark they Andre have Laner. Fleury, and they have Robin Lehner, yeah. I mean, is there how many better one-twos are there? There's not many. I would say Crawford and Lehner was that, you know, a couple weeks ago, but then... The Blackhawks wouldn't trade it, and they probably wouldn't be able to sustain that. The value of that contract with their current cap situation, so at least they got some assets for him. I think you probably could have gotten more. But I would have said, yeah, yeah, I would have forced for a first rounder from later. Yeah. But hey, that's goaltenders. Hey, if I'm playing Chell, <laughs> I'm getting a first rounder from later. Yeah, goaltenders hey, are. Bowman doesn't believe, doesn't think like the way I do. So hire me, Blackhawks. I'm a good general manager. I <laughs> took a uh, expansion team to the Stanley Cup in my first year as GM. So hey, I am available. I am. I will be cheap, so sign me. <laughs> yeah, there, <laughs> there's something to be said about getting value regardless because I think that's what it is. Goaltenders are kind of hard to move at the deadline, and, you know, the Golden Knights already have Flurry, so if they weren't able to get Leonard, they wouldn't have really sweated it too much. I do think the Blackhawks gave him up for a little less than what his asking price should have been, but, I mean, getting a return on a guy that you don't plan to re-sign and then probably still having the opportunity to re-sign him because I don't know if Vegas will... It's not a bad move, but you could have gotten. You're, you're really, a lot you're really betting it. on signing him in the off season. Yeah, that's I what mean, you're betting on. You yeah, really gotta, and he, he's shown in, in numerous interviews that he wanted to stay in Chicago. He wanted to take a, a, a cheaper contract to stay here. So maybe the love is still there. Well, maybe not a cheaper contract, but you know, a shorter term contract, maybe about three years, whereas before he was asking for four. But I'm not sure exactly what went down behind closed doors. Mark Lazarus, I trust his reporting that that was what was going on. They didn't even offer him that. But I guess we'll see what happens in the offseason. Crawford's going to be cheaper. Subban's going to be cheaper. You can probably get them both for the combined price of what Leonard would have been on his own. So I think they're trying to save cap space in whatever way possible, but it would have been nice for them to resign him. Regardless, some other quick hits before we go into our award ceremony. Stop me if you hear anything that interests you that you want to talk about. Um, a couple weeks ago, we didn't talk about this on the show, but the Penguins acquired Jason Zucker from the Wilds for Alex Galchenyuk, Kalen Addison, and a 2020 first-round pick. So the Wild is adding to their ever-growing prospect pool that ultimately ends up Failing flaming out the until future. they draft more, and then it flames out again, and they're in a constant in, state of mediocrity. They're in that eternal state of mediocrity, exactly. <laughs> The Bruins acquired Andre Case from the Ducks for a 2021st, David Backus and a prospect Axel Anderson. David Backus being involved in this deal was kind of weird to me, but if that was the only way they could get a first-round pick, then that was the only way they could get a first-round pick. 
In one of the more interesting trades of this deadline, the Lightning acquired Barclay Goudreau and a 2023rd for a 2021st round pick and prospect Anthony Greco. I don't know how the Sharks managed to move Barclay Goudreau for a first round pick, but some mysteries will never be solved. <laughs> <laughs> the Blues acquired Marco Scandella from the Canadians for a 2022nd and fourth rounder, who I believe was moved l- literally a week before this trade was made for a fourth rounder. Or maybe it was just a second rounder. It was just one pick. So the the Canadians managed to get a decent return there. The Oilers acquired Andrea Anthanasu and Mike Green from the Red Wings in two separate trades. And the returns on that was a treasure chest to speak of draft picks. The Penguins acquired Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez from the Sabres for Dominic Cahoon, who has now been traded twice in like the past year. So see if he can shoot for three. Actually, he can't because the trade deadline's passed, so forget I said that. Off-season time. Um, some just player-for-pick trades. The Capitals acquired Ilya Kovalchuk from the Canadians for a third-round pick. The Penguins acquired Patrick Marleau from the Sharks for a 2021 third-round pick. The Flames acquired Eric Gustafson from the Blackhawks for a 2020 third-round pick. The Jets acquired Cody Eakin for a conditional 2021 fourth, and the Oilers acquired Tyler Ennis for a 2021 fifth-round pick. So... It's a lot of the news coming around the around the yeah, league. I just want to mention for this like brief time that uh, the biggest loser of the uh, deadline is Joe Thornton. He is <laughs> all that remains of once was a good San Jose team. Patrick Marlowe had the return for about like half the season and he got booted out. <laughs> and then Joe Pavelski and he just left there and, to the stars. and he will be rotting in the corpse that is San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. I think they... I think they were wise to sell when they did. They still got some value from Patrick Marlowe, but not nearly as much as they would have if they had sold him last season. But last season, they were in the playoff race. So they're selling, and they're going to start rebuilding. But I think San Jose has shown that they have competent management that can actually bring them back. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I also feel like San Jose is that one team that I feel like makes the playoffs every year and doesn't win. I mean, how how long have they been in this league? Since 1991, and they've had consistent playoff appearances. They've been a good team. They, they've had a stranglehold over that division, particularly when you look at how they're uh, how they've played the guys that they've had. Pavelski's great. Thornton's great. He's been there forever. I think Martin Jones was their goaltender last year against the Blues, if I'm not mistaken. When he had uh, he had a decent decent performance, and I think when you look at the Sharks, particularly with their ability to maintain control of that division, I think they can get back to that point. It's just a matter of time, and who knows? They could win the whole thing at some point. Yeah, I mean the Pacific Division is kind of a raging trash can as it is with the Kings and the Ducks at the bottom, and then you know there's just there's not a lot of good there, so they could definitely retain control of that division. I think you'll obviously say the team to beat going into next year is the Golden Knights, but they can definitely come back. It might take a couple of years, but I mean I don't think they're they're going to be down there for very long, personally. All right, we're going to do our award ceremony here, as we know. As you all know, we uh, award a Skater of the Week, Goalie of the Week, and a Team of the Week. So I'm going to go first. We're going to do all of them in a row, actually, so we can save some time for our discussion of the NFL free agency. So Very short at this point. Very short. So I'm going to go first. My Skater of the Week, Dominic Kubalik from the Chicago Blackhawks. Call me biased, but the rookie scored his first hat-trick, hat-trick. Ooh. Last night against Tampa Bay Lightning in a win 5-2. to two. So big congrats to him and my goalie of the week as I pull up my stats up here. It is going to be Pavel, oh, Fran, 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 Franco. I think I Franco's? have the pronunciation wrote, but honestly, I don't remember writing it this way. I have Franco. Franco. Uh, that something like that. I have him as my goalie of the week He as went well. 3-0 the last week, only allowed three goals and had a shutout. And my team of the week, the New York Rangers, winners of their last five games, making a push for the playoffs when it matters. Only two points away from that final spot. So I'm throwing it over to Michael. Take it away. Uh, So for my skater of the week, I have to go with Zach Sanford. Bust out of the scoring skid, scored two goals against the Blackhawks. I apologize to the both of you, but that's just the way it is. (laughs) Goalie of the week of the Winnipeg Jets, Connor Hellebuyuk, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Shut up. Hellebuyuk. Uh, shut out the Capitals, uh, three to nothing. Had a great game there, and of course, my team of the week has to be the Colorado Avalanche. Have won four of their last, well, four straight games. <laughs> and they have been on fire as of recently. So, congratulations to Colorado. I think you just killed Patrick with that one. But oh, regardless, man. my skater of the week also Dominic Kubalik of the Blackhawks. Four goals in the last week and one assist for five total points. His first career hat trick, as Patrick mentioned. 
last night. 29 goals on the season. Let's just end the race and give this guy the Calder, Calder Trophy already. There's no one who deserves it more than he does. He's kind of the runaway favorite for Rookie of the Year. My goalie of the week also, Pav- Pavel Frenchot. 3-0, and 77 saves and 80 shots, as Patrick mentioned. That's three goals allowed. One shutout and a .963 save percentage. My team of the week is the Vegas Golden Knights, as I mentioned earlier. They are currently leading the Pacific, and they are on a seven-game win streak with marquee wins over the Blues, Islanders, Capitals, Lightning, and Panthers. I don't know how much of a marquee win the Panthers are, but they're they're sitting around in that playoff range, so I added them in there, but one of these five is not like the others. Regardless, they've had a lot of quality wins, and I think the way they're playing, they have the potential to beat just about anyone. So they're my team of the week, and watch them moving forward in the playoffs. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, it's a quarterback world, and we're all just living in it. You're listening to Hot Corner on KCU 1 FM and KCU.FM. Listen to Murphy's Law every Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock on KCOU 88.1 FM for your weekly NBA basketball fix. Listen to me, your host, Jacob Murphy, discuss the latest scores, rumors, and breaking stories going on in the league that never sleeps. Once again, Murphy's Law every Sunday at 4 o'clock on KCOU 88.1 FM. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Men's basketball is on KCU 88.1 FM. Tune in this Saturday, February 29th at 2.30 to hear myself and Ben Greenberger on the call for Tigers men's basketball against Mississippi State. Once again, on Saturday, February 29th, Tiger tip-off presented by El Rancho starts at 2 o'clock and men's basketball presented by El Rancho starts at 2.30 here on KCU 88.1 FM. You can listen to yours truly on the call alongside Ben Greenberger. It'll be a lot of fun. I just want to add that I will also be in studio for that game so you get... Two hot corner hosts for the price of, the hot of corner one. On the call. I'll It'll be, be watching the game on fun. television. <laughs> Check Michael's Twitter, and we'll get the. We'll be. Yes. We'll, this will be the <laughs> official basketball game of the hot corner. So, as I stated before, it's a QB world, and we're all living in it. What that means, that's up for you to decide. But all I have really to talk about briefly here for about the five minutes we're going to be doing this segment is Tom Brady, famous Jameis, the Red Bandit, Mariota, Old Man Rivers, and Tannehill. <laughs> so. <laughs> What you guys want to say from that is up to you. So, take it away. Okay, I want to talk about Tom Brady first because there have been a lot of he reports not this leaving week. The Patriots. I don't think he's leaving the Patriots, but there's been a lot of reports of him actually leaving. I heard Mike Garofolo on around the NFL podcast say that it would be wild if he did. He kind of said that in passing, but I did take note of that. But the report from Jeff Darlington of ESPN this past week was that it seems more than likely that he will be out of New England. I think it's going to be telling to see what they do as the new CBA approaches. That's going to be when you really see if these contract talks ramp up. They do cost him a certain amount of money if it's free agency. So if he hits free agency, he probably is leaving New England. That's that my, my question guess. is if New England and he talked about this with Nikhil Harry and the guys that he's got. When you look at Brady's weapons right now, he's very limited. And I'm looking right now, and I, this is a bit of a stretch, but I'm looking right now. Des Bryant, second on trending. And I, you have to guess, it, could he be a guy that they pick up that could be a, a decent weapon for him if he decides to come back? How I, I are they going to pass this off? I think he will come back. I, th- I honestly think he will come I think back. How are they going to pass this off? Because the thing is, is, Brady has said time and time again, I've taken a cut in salary to build the team around me. And I don't feel like the Patriots have lived up to that standard that he set for them. So you have to wonder, does Des Bryant go to New England? That's the first question that I have. Also, now you look at Phillip Rivers, there's more speculation that he's going to be signing with a team, I feel like, in Florida than because, A, he purchased a home in Florida, and, B, he's a Southern guy, so I think it fits him well, and it'd be a great place for him to move uh, his family and children there. And the other thing that I think is looking more and more like a possibility is if he goes to Tampa Bay, um, and I think Miami might try and make a move. I don't know what the deal is over there, but 
where does Winston end up if that's the case? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there is a lot going on right now. That's, a lot that's of moving pieces. Taysom Hill and it's Teddy Bridgewater, Andrew Brees are all here. are all set. They're all three of those Saints quarterbacks are set to be free agents. I believe Taysom Hill is restricted. The other two are unrestricted. They probably won't resign. I don't see Brees going anywhere else. I'm just Brees probably going to stay in the Saints. It's mm-hmm. quite obvious. Bridgewater is probably going to leave where he goes. Remains to be seen. But there's a lot of interesting quarterbacks. I just want to go around the horn. I'll start and. You guys can follow before we head off to break because it's a very short segment, but we did want to get a little bit of this in. Well, a little preview. Where do you think some of the quarterbacks land? Obviously, we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks, but as of right now, where do you stand? Like I said, I'll start. I think Brady stays in New England. I think there's a distinct possibility that he goes to Vegas. I'm not I think he stays in New England. Dalton is a trade candidate. I don't know where to. There's been rumors floating around that he ends up in Chicago, which Please I know. don't necessarily want, but there's that's where the rumors have kind of started. So I don't know too much about him. He might honestly stay with Cincinnati as the backup. Tannehill, I think, stays with Tennessee. I think that Rivers is going to go to Tampa. Bruce Arians likes his older quarterbacks that he doesn't really need to develop, so I think Rivers is a prime fit there. Jameis could end up in a lot of different places. Indy would be an interesting one. Chicago, I could see him maybe going to L.A. as well. But I don't know. He's kind of a wild card in this mess. And Mariota probably gets signed somewhere as a backup. How have we not mentioned Derek Carr in this conversation as well? Because he's not leaving. Well, I mentioned him yep. when said. I said Brady right. may go to Las Vegas. Carr, if Brady goes to Las Vegas, Carr is most likely on his way out just because of the money. Where does Carr go? Where does he go? That's the question. Who wants to take on his $25 million salary? Just about. So I'm going to go really quickly here. Brady also stays in New England. Jameis goes to the Chargers. Uh, the Red Bandit stays in Cincy. He will mentor Joe Burrow. as He's not a very good mentor, but hey, it's something. It's a veteran. I know his mentorship. You have uh, Mariota. He'll sign. Let's see here. I'm going to pick him. I'm going to say he'll go to Vegas as a backup. And you're also going to have Old Man Rivers going to retire in Florida. He will be playing for... The uh, for the Buccaneers, and that's that's all I've got. Okay, here's who I've got. So Breeze, I think, stays in New Orleans. Brady, I think, stays in New England. But I think New England's got some work to do in terms of picking a receiver for him. Rivers, I feel like, goes to Tampa Bay. Winston, I think, could go to either Chicago, Los Angeles. I don't know where he's going to end up. I think he could end up in Vegas too. Mariota, I really have no idea. I think he'll start <laughs> somewhere. I don't know where it's going to be. I can't give you an educated guess on that because I don't know what's going to happen to him. As for um, Andy Dalton, excuse me, I feel like Andy Dalton would stay in Cincinnati and be a good mentor for Joe Burrow. Um, and I also think Tannehill stays in Tennessee, and I believe that's everybody, if I'm not mistaken. All right, we're going to take a very short break. We come back, the final word. It's not corner on KCU one FM and KCU.FM. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. That's a sign. It's always, when that song plays, it reminds me of my favorite segment of the show. The final word, probably our all our most favorite segment of the show. It puts a smile on all of our faces when we hear that song. It's when we all get to go dive into our own direction and pick a story or a person to talk about that's either funny, good, or lighthearted. So I'm going to go first. As you know, I usually talk about weird sports stories. Last week, we headed off to, I believe it was, was it Norway? I think it was Norway. It was somewhere in that Nordic Norway area. for I was a Russia, drunk uh, alcohol-fueled sled race. This week, we're staying in America. We're heading off to Indianapolis to the Combine. So, it's the Combine season for those who are interested in the Combine. It's always been one of those things in the NFL where I've never really paid attention to any of it. So, being someone who's a firm believer in that game tape shows who really is a great player, I don't watch any of it. But... It's also the week where I get a lot of laughs, and a lot of laughs come from the people who over-exaggerate hand size, amongst other things. And it floats around on Twitter, and you see draft Twitter always saying, whoa, this guy's got a small hand. He's going to be a bad quarterback. That's one of my favorite things to see. But this year's victim of the hand size debate, Heisman winner Joe Burrow. And he came out on Twitter, and he said this, considering retirement after I was informed, the football will be slipping out of my tiny hands. Please keep me in your thoughts. 
I if there's see. any response to being made fun of for your hand size, yeah, I want to bring the up perfect one. a quick combine story because I do love that you chose the Joe Burrow hand size tweet. What I thought you were going with was a receiver out of South Florida, Mitchell Wilcox. If you saw the video that was circul- um, circulating on Twitter, the when they do the passing drills where you know one ball from one side, one mm-hmm. ball from the other, and they do four of those. He dropped all four, but also the first one hit him right in the face. And in Lance Zerline's scouting report on NFL.com, he wrote, has trouble getting hands to the catch point when the ball is literally on top of him. So I think that's a great way to put it. And he He's literally put that on display nervous. at the combine. So game tape shows it all, guys. I, pay I attention wanted to, to that. mention that. But yes, pay attention to the game tape rather than 40-yard dash, three-cone, what have you. Hand size does not matter. <laughs> God, Michael, you're next. <laughs> okay. So anyway, moving on from that, um, Sports Illustrated has a story here, and we kind of talked about it earlier, um, but I'm just going to go a little bit more in depth with it. David, I think it's Ayers or Iries or what's his, how do you pronounce? I said Arias, but I don't exactly know. Arias, Ayers, I don't know. I'm going to call him Ayers, but um, Arias or whatever. Um, anyway, so he came in as the emergency goalie for the Carolina Hurricane, Hurricanes excuse me, against the Toronto Maple Leafs, two playoff contenders, high-pressure situation, and Sports Illustrated has a stories here, story here. It said that um, so the first, their first goalie, uh, or the, the Canes' first goalie, James Warren was pulled six minutes into the first period when Jacob Slavin fell on top of the net minder minutes prior. Peter Mrazek took over, uh, but 30 minutes in the Hurricanes' crease, Mrazek rushed towards the blue line to play the puck where he collided with Maple Leafs winger Kyle Clifford. That had to hurt. Mrazek was down for roughly two minutes before he was helped off. That's a long time. The ice with an upper body injury without a backup in sight. But... Entered Ayers, a 42-year-old from Whitby, Ontario. His last competitive action was an eight-game stint with the Norwood Vipers of the Allen Cup Hockey League, where he allowed, ladies and gentlemen, 58 goals, a 7-7-7 save percentage, and an 0-8 record. That does not sound good at all. I'd be concerned. However, at 28-41, it's the most ice time by an emergency backup. After allowing the first two goals, he did not allow another. The Canes won the game, and he became the first to win a game, or uh, yeah, he also became the first to win a game at 42 years and 194 days. He's the oldest goaltender ever, emergency backup or otherwise, to win a regular season debut. He bested the previous mark set by Hugh Lehman, who won his debut at 41 years and 21 days with the one and only Chicago Blackhawks during the lovely 1926 <laughs> season. Congratulations, David Ayers, my hero of the week. It is a great story. He's also story. paid 500 bucks. And I very much like Michael's dramatic retelling. I think we need to get him on some audiobooks because I think that would be something that'd be great for him. His, his it some was dramas. a Saturday night. It was rainy. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you got. I was starting a story, but whatever. All right, that's all you got. All right, Logan, so, you're up. Go. <laughs> my story comes to you courtesy of USA Today from the great city of yes, it's one we actually know this time, Austin, Texas, where city. there's a 38 year old runner named Sarah Rimel. And she was running in the 2018 California International Marathon to qualify for the Olympic trials. Obviously, this is a couple, a couple, few months ago, actually about a year ago. But it was report, it was talked about from USA Today yesterday. She needed two hours and 45 minutes was the time to qualify for the Olympic trials. There were two points in this race where she urgently had to use the bathroom, and this is mentioned. This is this self relevancy later. She said, I wanted to be like, you know what? I'm done. I'm in so much discomfort and I'm so upset. I'm losing it right now, right? Here's my dream and it's running off without me. I don't know if that pun was intended, but she said it. The 38-year-old finished the race 44 seconds faster than the Olympic trials qualifying time. And Rimel later found out that she was pregnant during that race. And she had her baby Marlon six months ago, and this weekend she'll be running in the Olympic trials in Atlanta, Georgia. She did train all throughout her pregnancy, which I think is very admirable. She says, I'm not going to lie. I definitely felt stressed that I put on myself to maintain a certain level of conditioning or cardiovascular fitness so that I wouldn't have to start all the way from the bottom and preparing for Atlanta. I, I didn't run the day I went into labor, but I did the day before. So there were very few days within her Jeez. pregnancy where she did not train, and she, she wants this very... Very much. 511 women will enter in the U.S. Olympic trials. Only three will compete in Tokyo. So I don't know about you, but as of tomorrow or as of Sunday, I will be checking to see if she does qualify. And if she does, I will definitely have a follow-up story for you guys. I also now have no excuse not to work out. (laughs) Yes, Sarah Rimel, 
running in the Olympic trials, and hopefully she'll be running to Tokyo next. I know Serena Williams, I think, did uh, did similar. Uh, she was pregnant, I think, when she won the. Uh, I don't know what she won, but I know she won the. She won something in tennis. I know the something story significant. That, yes. I don't right. follow tennis like and crazy. And with but. that, that is the end of another episode of the Hot Corner. Make sure to follow us on our social media page at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Carrion, Michael Imami at Imami Michael, and Logan at The Logan Franz. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, and any other podcast services under the name Hot Corner. Make sure to tune in to the basketball game tomorrow to hear me and Logan on the call. I'll be calling the game with Ben Greenberger. Logan will be in studio, and we will see you next Friday. Same place, same time. So, Hot Corner, signing off. <laughs>